This is the Geekin' Out Loud podcast where we have interesting conversations about the latest news in movies, comics and all things geek. With your hosts Terrell Peterson, Dave Maresca, Justin Williams and Heather Wilde. It's been a crazy week. How is everyone? Everything's going fine over here. Just busy work day. Yeah, <laughs> they're all busy. <laughs> they're all becoming busy <laughs> anyway, yeah. which is, I guess, good and bad, right? More good than bad. Yeah, I think the the problem is right now that everybody's working from home, or a lot of people uh, have the option of working from home. You end up working long hours because the days just meld into each other. Yeah, I hear you. I was looking all over the internet for news to talk about it. All I've been seeing a Batman just come up everywhere, I swear. If it ain't Robert Pattinson, it's Michael Keaton. Yeah, man. As I'm reading this article right now, I'm just like, wait a minute. So he's actually coming back to play Batman instead of Ben Affleck? Is that what's going on here? I, th- I think there are going to be three Batmans playing. Like, Ben Affleck's going to be in Justice League, of course, and the Snyder Cut. But Robert Pattinson's playing the Batman and the young Bruce Wayne. And Michael Keaton's playing the old Bruce Wayne. What's happening is that the Batman is a standalone movie, just like the Joker was. So it's in its own area, just a standalone movie, and they're not planning on making others in that way. But Michael Keaton, because they did the Crisis on Infinite Earths on Arrow in the Arrowverse, Mm -hmm. they kind of merged all of the canon together. Since Ezra Miller did his cameo as The Flash on that, they merged Ezra Miller into that and so michael keaton's batman is back yes that's how they did that so the burton verse is still part of the dc extended universe or rather the burton verse <laughs> has now because of crisis on infinite earths <laughs> has now been looped back in i mean if there's a way to do it to be able to just use whoever you want i mean that's the best <laughs> and, I've, and i've also heard that michael keaton's gonna be like a nick fury for the DCEU, like he, he's gonna, that Batman's gonna be like the Nick Fury and the string puller and everything, like the mentor. Well, yeah, they've done that before with Watchtower and Sentinel and, and those characters in the comic books. So it just depends on which timeline you want to go down. In this case, he's alive and has handed on the mantle. Oh, man, like when I first heard about Michael Keaton, I was just thrilled because he's one of my best Batmans that I, that I loved as a child. So Ben Affleck. And him, they compete against each other. Like, that's how good they are to me. But Jack Nicholson Joker is always going to be number one for me, though. Does everybody universally just hate Christian Bale, then? Is that what we're landing on that? Oh, is there even a gosh, debate? I, or? <laughs> I love Christian Bale. Although, I think the worst Batman has got to be George Clooney. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was actually just reading a uh, an article because I don't know if you guys know that uh, Joel Schumacher passed away yesterday. Yeah. And I never realized that he was actually trying to make Clooney supposedly in a Vanity Fair or a Variety uh, interview, said that he played Bruce Wayne gay in that movie. And I was just like, oh, wow, that's news <laughs> to me. I mean, I don't know if that goes hand in hand with why it felt so disjointed and <laughs> universally felt like the what the fuck is going on with this Batman I movie. I mean, the Batsuit had nipples. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, it had nipples since Val Kilmer, though. Oh, there, That's true. That's true. But yeah. at least Val Kilmer made it kind of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> true. I mean, how can he not? That's what Val Kilmer does. <laughs> well, what he used to do back then. Now he's kind of 
I don't know. Yeah, he's had a rough go of it. He had throat cancer, you know, He's he's gone through some issues, although supposedly he's coming back in uh, Top Gun 2, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. I mean, he didn't want to do in the first place, the original Top Gun. He, uh, he, he didn't. And what an iconic role it became. <laughs> I don't know. A little far from the Batman conversation, but Top Gun, definitely a different kind of superhero in the early 80s there. <laughs> and yeah. it looks one way when you're a little kid, and then as you watch it now, it's like, that eh, has aged strangely. <laughs> now, how y'all feel about this upcoming Robert Pattinson Batman, though? How do you feel about him? You know, it's kind of interesting. I, I think since there isn't that much known uh, right now about the Robert Pattinson Batman movie, I mean, there, there's little blips of what they're doing and, and how they're doing it. But, I mean, more is coming out about his lack of training regimen and, like, the, the fact that it seems more of a down-to-earth take on the character than anything else. So what I'm looking forward to is actually seeing what they do that's different from the Christian Bale Nolan movies. Hmm. Um, because, yeah, I mean, like Robert Pattinson seems very like, I'm not bulking up for this role. I'm not, I'm not working out. I'm not doing any of this. I'm just going to like walk in and be a rich dude putting on a suit, getting to play dress up because I mean, that seems like what Batman is. So, I mean, if I'm just playing me hmm. playing, a guy that would love to go out in Halloween and beat people up, then that seems like I'm going to do well in this role. <laughs> it's hard to judge the buffet before it's served ever since we got treated to what happens when you do that with Heath Ledger. You know what I mean? We all freaked oh, when we heard he was going to play Joker, and then he has the Joker to beat, I think it is, at this point. And you see everybody trying really, really hard, and they're almost trying so hard that it's like ruining what they're doing. So, yeah. you know... Yeah, I'm not going to lie, I'm scared about Robert Pattinson's Batman after I heard he ain't really working out. But again, I mean, if, if you think about what a vigilante is, I mean, just look at Watchmen, for example. These are just people that are pissed off and, and they're just throwing on a mask and going out there and beating people up. What, what's the other one about vigilanteism? They're not special people. They're not even rich. They're just throwing on a cape and going out and beating people up. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Robert Pattinson actually has an interesting take on it. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go all the way back to the original TV Batman and like be Adam West here. Adam West wasn't in shape. He wasn't. Like he he hmm. wasn't a pinup. He was he was just like I'm Batman, and that's that's how it is. And you're gonna uh, kapow. <laughs> I don't know, man. I kind of feel like if you get that role, you're supposed to know this is just part of what goes with that job. You know, do you want to be the guy who is like I brought back the West look, the non-defined <laughs> muscles, the sort of I didn't really try before I got out of bed look, you know what I mean? I, but, for Batman. You know, an entire two generations worth of girls are in love with him because he was Edward and didn't bother to work out with you know? It's a good point. It's a very good point. I'm actually looking forward to the person that's going to play Alfred in Andy Serkis. Wow. Well, I did not know that. Is this all in that? I got to read the rest of that article. I'm going to kind of be yeah. doing that in the background while we're talking here. <laughs> One of the funny things about Andy Serkis is whenever he shows up in a movie, people are like, 
that's what Andy Serkis looks like. <laughs> yeah, but I knew what he looked like before he played Gollum, and I've always been like, oh, dude, you know, it sucks that he's getting his, all the rest of the stuff he can do is being overshadowed by that. But at the same time, he became the go-to guy for motion capture, right? He also is uh, Caesar in those Rise of the Planet of the Apes movies. He's really kind of taken this whole, I can play an animal <laughs> to an, another <laughs> level. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's modern kabuki, right? Being able to move your face into any one of those those shapes. And there's only a few actors that can do that. James Gunn's brother, who, who does Rocket Raccoon, he's another one that, that does the motion capture suits and, mm. and does it so well. There's very few actors that can play that. The two suit actors on uh, Doom Patrol that play the roles for Matt Bomer and Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser couldn't be robot man and like <laughs> walk around in a suit all day because I mean he would just be playing the lines but you wouldn't be able to see that in the hands and the, all of that I mean that's an entirely different type of acting skill yeah I heard Batman is gonna be a, not an origin story but maybe two or three years into the Batman cow and everything you know Batman begins beginning at act two <laughs> and then we'll see what happens yeah it's more like on a detective skills I've heard and uh, none of these actors are like nobodies on here. The person that plays Catwoman is going to be like Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz, who's now no stranger to the comic book movie world at this point. Yeah. She's wanting to actually bulk up and everything to play Catwoman while Robert Pattinson over here. I mean, why don't you take notes? Well, uh, okay. Think about it this way. Would you rather a movie star... Like, I mean, I'm asking you both uh, as men. Mm-hmm. Are, are you rather a, happy that a guy looks like a normal guy and is a movie star or a Hugh Jackman who's like 55 <laughs> and hasn't had ice cream with his kids ever because mm. he has to work out 12 hours a day for Wolverine? I mean... Who would you rather look up to? <laughs> I, the horror one. <laughs> go ahead, man. You want to tell you? It sounds like it's right on the tip of your tongue. I'm just saying, if you're devoted to kicking ass and like going at night and, w- and just being a vigilante, just do it, man. Woke up for it. No one wants a string bean for Batman. I mean, <laughs> I I tend to feel like, not that these are reality based, you know, movies or anything, but I tend to feel like if I see a superhero who is the schlubby guy, I'm just like. He's going to die soon. You know what I mean? It's like as soon as the world begins and we see, I mean, if there were nobody, maybe. I mean, I think didn't they even explore that a little bit in Watchmen where not everybody was necessarily a prime specimen. It was just normal people. But I don't know. I tend to feel like, and I think that's just from growing up with that being the sort of standard of like, look, man, (laughs) I want that to happen to me if I become one of these superheroes. You know, like I think beginning of Captain America goes into the chamber, scrawny little dude comes out, Chris Evans after, you know, (laughs) however many months of GBH or whatever the uh, whatever that growth hormone they all take to like getting crazy (laughs) shape. You know, or to look like Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. I kind of feel like it's part of the deal. Like, when you become a superhero, you're supposed to be like, look at this. (laughs) This is pretty amazing. I'm very cold in the winter, but this is pretty amazing. But even in the comic books, they're they're not all like that. There's some that have the super strength, and there's some that have the super mind, and there's some that have the ability to talk to fish. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're making an awful lot of they're they're using him quite a bit. The ability to talk to fish does not seem to be limiting his uh ability to be a cool <laughs> character in the movies. But uh they definitely have spent years lampooning that for no for for sure. Like I didn't even think I'd like Aquaman, but when I first seen him I'm like, "Hey, I'll give him a shot." They all liked him. Yeah. But even the Flash, his thing is I can run really fast. So the Flash should be super, super wiry and skinny. And on TV, he is. And that's cool. And you don't expect the Flash to be all buff. But when they did the Jonathan Wesley ship version, he kind of was. <laughs> he was. He definitely had the same. But that was also in the era where, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman kind of defined what movie comic book heroes were going to look like for a little while. And it was like, all right, even if he's not as bulked up, his suit can be made out of like hard rubber that's designed <laughs> to look like he's bulked up. You know what I mean? And the suit can do some of the lifting, which was then the famous simpsons joke where they meet adam west and he's like see i didn't have any of that padded armor or any of that fake bulk that was pure west and it's like all right dude but it was all smooth and round <laughs> it was it was yeah, more curvy but, but I mean, christopher reeves is superman he, he was a normal guy he didn't have these super abs that the guys do today and nobody thought anything weird of that they they even lampooned that in the terrible superman 4 that like <laughs> what was it like captain nuclear or whatever the, Is that, the i don't even know his character had a name <laughs> yeah the guy that was made of the nuclear weapons he's the buff guy because he's evil he's the enemy and superman is pure superman is a person that doesn't have all of those things that we associated with striving towards a non- human ideal i think that's all robert pattinson's trying to do he's trying to say this isn't something that we all grew up with this is a relatively new thing that children shouldn't be forced to starve themselves to make you look like what normal people don't and hugh jackman should be able to have ice cream with his kids (laughs) yeah no i hear you I agree, too, but it's, I don't know, maybe I'm just, it's going to be hard, it's a paradigm shift, right, I guess, is is what we're in the middle of, you know, and it's happening on various levels, but the old paradigm is, you know, the reason that Hugh Jackman didn't eat ice cream for 12 years, and the new paradigm is like, hey, dude, whatever, (laughs) whoever becomes a superhero these days is probably going to have a dad bod anyway, just roll yeah. with it <laughs> you know i'm still waiting for my mutant power to like manifest itself <laughs> yeah it's totally gonna happen i mean i i think uh but that, that's what's gonna come out of covid right we're all gonna like it, it's it's our vat of acid we're all gonna come out with some kind of superpower yeah with all this chaos i better have something like i better have a superpower or something I'll take but, uh, it. I'll take it if that's what it leads to. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take getting struck by lightning if I have superpowers afterwards. <laughs> like you get the whole a Family Guy where it's like Mayor West, you've got lymphoma. When he's <laughs> like, "Why?" It's probably because you were rolling around in all that nuclear waste. What were you trying to do? He's like, "I was trying to get superpowers." Yeah. Now I was wondering about this. What would y'all think if y'all could pick one Joker for Robert Pattinson's Batman? Who would y'all pick? That's difficult because we haven't seen his Batman yet. I would probably pick Mark Hamill's Joker. Oh, nice. If they were able to do like a live action version of that. Yeah. Because Mark Hamill's just so versatile. He could probably roll with whatever Robert Pattinson's throwing out. And he was the best part of those Arkham games. I want to just put William Defoe out there because that's what everyone's been saying for years. They want William Defoe to be a Joker. 
Ah. I could or, see uh, that, you know, but at the same time, at this point, you know, after what Heath Ledger did and and defied everybody's expectations, I almost feel like let's go even more unexpected. You know what I mean? Let's try to think of who's the who's the least likely person to be able to really take that role and completely do something new with it. And I think you saw what's his name try to do it in Suicide Squad, Jared Leto. I mean, there was like part of me that wanted to give him a lot of credit for that, but the rest of me was kind of just like, "Ugh, why? What's going on here? <laughs> you know, what is yeah. this?" Yeah, like when I first seen Jared Leto, I gave it a shot because he looked cool in the trailer for Suicide Squad. But then I watched it. I regret saying that. But <laughs> once he started getting your face saying, "I'm gonna hurt you really, really bad," I'm like. Why didn't you say that in Suicide Squad? I don't know. I just didn't like it at all. He defied expectations, not in a good way. So. Yeah, but Margot Robbie was hot. Yeah, that yeah. definitely, that was the saving grace of that film. And I, you'd think it would have been enough to make me see Birds of Prey. I still have not seen Birds of Prey yet, so I, I don't know. I just watched that literally yesterday. And I liked it. what's the verdict? <laughs> I mean, people got mad at first because it was basically about Harley Quinn and the Joker, like, breaking up. But they kind of changed the name at, after Birds of Prey. They made it, like, Birds of Prey and Harley Quinn. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's like the ultimate breakup revenge movie. I think they did a good job. Oh, on- yeah. Well, well I'll like- check it out then. I'm not opposed to giving it a chance. I just... Didn't, I, one, didn't even realize it had already come and gone from the theaters. I think the pandemic has done a lot of blurring of stuff like that. Like anything that yes. was released right before, you're kind of like, oh, did that actually come out? What the hell is going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I didn't realize yeah. it was already a thing that people had seen. It came out on Valentine's Day, so about a month before all of this shut down. There you yeah. go. Yeah, when I first seen this, I'm like, someone told me, they're like, hey, you want to watch Bird of Prey? I'm like, I don't know, man. And all of a sudden... Like, they, they kind of forced me to. They just turned it on, and I'm like, what well, is the only TV in the house? So, damn, I guess I'll watch it. <laughs> so, I watch it, and I'll wait for something for me to hate, and I couldn't, there ain't anything I could hate. Like, but, yeah, that's well, all. there you go. That's that's a, round, a rousing endorsement? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> there wasn't anything you could hate. There you no. go. Uh, okay. <laughs> As opposed and, to and suicide. Margot Robbie looked hot. Nice. All right. I mean, that is it is enough to make a movie sellable, I guess. It worked well, once. So I used to work on a Star Trek game. And when Star Trek Enterprise came out, we were all like, oh, yeah, a new Star Trek. And then during the when it first uh, aired, I was like, there's got to be something good. There's got to be something good I can say about this to my like, <laughs> And then I was like. Well, at least T'Pol looked hot. And that was like the only thing I could say for the entire <laughs> series. Like, at least T'Pol looked hot. <laughs> Take what you can. Yeah, like the, almost every every episode had like that decontamination scene where her her top was off and they were like... <laughs> Implied <laughs> nudity. <laughs> we can only show you from the back, but everybody's imagining the front. You know a show is bad when like every episode that's the highlight. <laughs> And she, I'm sure she's like, okay, you're going to be paying me more for this. I'm just letting you know, <laughs> next season, double, <laughs> double. If I'm the only reason people are tuning in, double. The seven of nine effect. That worked. <laughs> that, that one I understand. I think <laughs> the only thing that saves Suicide Squad, though, for real, was Margaret Robbie and Will Smith. That's all I could think about. Yeah, I mean, Will Smith 
was just phoning that one in. Yeah. He wasn't a highlight, but Margot Robbie was definitely, um, yeah. she made it watchable. And I think, I don't know, maybe if there was more room for the Jared Leto Joker to breathe, there might have been more there, and we could have felt a little bit better about that. Like, I could have felt better about a joker harlequin movie where all this other stuff was kind of happening on the peripheral i liked the spots where they were trying to create the shared universe with these movies you know ben affleck showing up at dinner and like them talking and she implies that she knows he's batman you know i liked seeing him show up while they were on date night joker and uh, harlequin and showing up in uh, will smith's storyline as well but the rest of the movie i was just like i kind of don't care <laughs> you know it just <laughs> yeah. feels just feels like it's not even all the same movie so uh part of me wants to just like it because it furthered what they were trying to do and i thought they were on their way to being able to do it like i knew they weren't going to completely catch up with marvel but you didn't have to there was a way to do theirs differently and still have it be good but i I don't think the rest of that movie served that purpose enough for me to say the movie like i don't recommend that movie and people like oh suicide squad i'm like don't that's two and a half hours you're gonna be pissed off dude i'm telling you (laughs) You've seen her already in the trailer. You know what she looks like. Just download that shit on YouTube. They've got it all cut together, all of her scenes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, get the costume for your girlfriend, mm-hmm. and then there you go. There you go. Life gets better there. Oh, no. Like, they're saying that they want to release the new Suicide Squad's like, air cut that have more like of Jerry Little Joker in it, and they think they'll save him, but... like. Well, they should, like, see how it goes with the Snyder Cut first. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? See how people take to that. Because if that still sucks, if people are still like, all right, this was your last chance to win me over with this, <laughs> and and here I am again getting fooled. I won't be fooled a third time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, if And they... why is it always the DC movies that need another cut? True. Why don't, why don't the Marvel movies need another cut? Like, why is it that DC movies suck so bad that people want them to read the... Re- done i can't answer that i don't know well i mean isn't that always wasn't that their huge excuse everything was like oh well you know at first christopher nolan was supposed to be kind of overseeing the whole thing and then he kind of took a step away and then Zack snyder was overseeing the whole thing and then he had a family tragedy and so it was sort of like well in the end we went to the guy who did the other team's thing (laughs) and and they kind of tried to make it close i think for dc they had like sort of the perfect storm of constantly losing they didn't have a a a solid leader right whereas marvel kind of did uh, marvel has that's like the one that they can sweep under the rug is their fantastic four problem yeah and their Ed Norton Hulk that everyone just is totally cool pretending never happened. They're just like, yeah, we just yeah. forget about it. It just it went, came and went. But, yeah, but that one's good. Like, you know what? The Ed Norton Hulk is actually pretty good. <laughs> There's not a lot to hate, right? I guess are we back at using that? Right? There's not as much to hate, but there's not as much to love here. <laughs> no, it's just, I mean, like the Hulk story isn't, isn't very interesting is True. the problem. Yeah. And they've done it in a couple different ways so that it's like, all right, how are you going to do this in a new way to make it part of this shiny, awesome thing you're doing with the 23 movies combining? And you know what I mean? Like it has to conform to that as much as it has to make it fresh for an audience that just saw it a couple of years ago with Eric Bana. And it was weird. (laughs) I always dare people to, to put either of the Hulk movies up against the two first Thor movies. And I'm like, yeah, so Thor is kind of long and boring and not as cool as you remember it. Yeah. And the Hulk movies are actually, like, kind of 
fun and interesting and exciting compared to Thor. And yet Thor, like people are like, oh, Thor is awesome because like, like Chris. Because of it, Ragnarok. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. basically Ragnarok and, has and erased like, no, everybody's these are, memory. Like, long and boring Shakespearean plays that you're watching and big set pieces with actors drinking them in and like meanwhile hulk has a lot of emotion and, and stuff to it so when they came out there just wasn't anything around them to get you hyped up about i agree i don't know thor ragnarok i think that's going to the downfall of hulk i'm sorry but i did not like professor hulk like i didn't all... like professor hulk i didn't like not professor hulk and ragnarok i didn't like you know <laughs> caveman hulk i didn't like i just didn't like the way they did any of that but at the same time, I always felt like maybe because I'm one of those completionists where it's like, all right, if you guys start a thing this big, you know, it's the same thing as as uh, oh, why am I why am I blanking on his name? But the guy who got replaced by Don Cheadle in Iron Man after the first movie, Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard. It's sort of like you have these people that all set the tone. You know, I always feel like the first person sets the tone. And so, you know, Ed Norton was supposed to set the tone for Hulk. And then we have Mark Ruffalo, who is awesome but is almost yeah. so out of nowhere different that it really does feel like that first Hulk movie didn't happen. And when you go back and watch it and it has the credit scenes, you're always like, oh, yeah, holy crap, I forgot about this. And I just don't see the Hulk that Ed Norton was going to play having the same kind of rapport with the other characters that the Mark Ruffalo Hulk had. And that's like a big deal when you're like launching things and trying to create this cohesiveness. And like, you know, even Batman has been so unbalanced in what they've done between Batman, Superman, and then how sort of neutered he was in Justice League. It's kind of like there's a lot of room for people to come in and do something new with it. But I don't know. It's hard to even know what to expect. It's hard to set an expectation at all. It's kind of like, I just want to see it. I just want to see what they do. And if I, maybe if I go in at that level, I'll, I'll wind up at least liking the attempt, even if I don't love the movie, you know? that's what these really are about and i mean when these movies have been going on for 20 years now more than that that's an entire generation there's kids that are that graduated high school this year that were born after the first one of the marvel movies yeah. <laughs> of this, this cycle came out um, i didn't even think about that <laughs> yeah so that's crazy so like the the whole when you think about the mood shift and the actors that, that are playing them and the way that the scripts are written and, and all of that, like they're not necessarily going to resonate now the same way with the people that they're being written for now as they did when they were first written. So, and you may appreciate Eric Bana's Hulk and Ed Norton's Hulk now a lot more than you did 20 years ago when it came out. Yeah. So it's just like, kids now are like oh my god jar jar they're finally getting why we hated it yeah <laughs> star wars is another one that just had age as we expected it to <laughs> but anyway it's opening the door to a whole different zone yeah oh, uh, terrell you're in you're driving man what's what are we talking about next oh man like let's see we were talking about virtual comic cons like what do y'all feel about how y'all feel about that like oh yeah I don't know. I feel like I'm the big naysayer on this. I kind of feel like it's like if it's not an actual convention, if I'm not going somewhere, I'm probably not going to tune in online. I kind of feel like that's what I used to do when I couldn't get into the conventions. I'd be like, all right, I guess I'll just watch everybody's coverage after the fact. So now I kind of feel like it's a, it's just a weird limbo in between the two. And it, it's sad. I think I'm too sad. It's too soon. It's too early for me to be all uh, excited about giving up interacting with people in person. 
Yeah, yeah I, I feel the same way. Like for certain conferences, it's it's okay. It works because like they're making it interactive and, and stuff. But like for something like Comic-Con, the whole point is you're getting to go and you're meeting your idol. Yeah. You're meeting, you're, you're, you're getting to like hug William Shatner <laughs> and, and you are, are getting to dress up as the, the character that you want and, and find the other people from Firefly and whatever mm-hmm. and, and like hang out and, and then like randomly go play D and D together, you yeah, know, like, yeah. it, and, and the thing about Comic-Con is like in the, like those middle of the night, like random bootlegs of, of the Chinese version of the matrix right. in some random hotel room with like a uh, bootleg, uh, Templeton Rye that somebody brought in from, from their drive across the country from Iowa, you know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's what a Comic-Con is. And if you don't get to have those experiences, there's no point. I don't know. I don't even think I might even tune in for San Diego's because I'm planning on going there next year. I was going to go this year, but, you know, and I don't know. I'm just going to wait for all the news to come out. Then, bam, like, that's all I was looking forward to, the news. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like when I would watch the YouTube channels, it would just make me more pissed that I wasn't there. <laughs> but then you see all the footage of how crowded it has gotten over the last couple of years and to the point where you're like, ah, if you're claustrophobic, this ain't going to be any fun for you. And uh-huh. it's really hard to get from one side of the place to the other and you wind up spending a lot of time waiting online. I mean, but being there, there's an energy in the air. All the conventions I've been to on the East Coast, there's some value to that experience as well. So just being around where all this stuff is happening and interacting with people who are coming and going and passing by. But San Diego is one I've always wanted to go to, but it definitely has that, okay, there are going to be so many people here. Just mentally prepare yourself. Just be ready. Yeah, I've been to uh, San Diego Comic-Con about 15 times. Wow. And the... And I usually have a press pass, so that helps. (laughs) Yeah, so like it gets you to to be able to cut certain lines, but you still have to wait for Hall H, just like everybody else. And and the the thing about Comic Con is the line is part of the experience, Mm -hmm. and you just have to decide at the beginning of the day: are you going to be in Hall H or Ballroom C or look at the schedule and like figure out like where am I going to be because you can't walk from like one side to the other right and if you did you were gonna you're not gonna get in yeah so yeah. you get there early in the day and you're like okay today's a hall h day that's the <laughs> that's what's gonna happen it's um, kind of similar to being at a music festival with multiple stages and you have to like look at the lists and be like all right man you can't see everybody and this you know that at some point your favorite bands are going to be playing at the same time on yeah. two different stages and you just have to make that choice and go all right well that's it this one i'm going to see these guys and i'll have to just hear yeah. about it but again the hearing about it like damn it i was there and i well, didn't yeah well the unspoken secret of comic-con is that like the people that are actually at comic-con are also finding out what's happening on the news too they're sitting in line watching those same streams that you're watching at home but they're like i'm at comic-con like i was here i did the lottery thing i (laughs) waited in line i'm here and but the, the the real thing the real reason to do it is because of all those parties of of being there in person of of like getting to go to the masquerade of of getting to to have access to like all of those events. I mean, I got to be at 
a recreation of the uh, entire Ready Player One Shining. Wow. Like, <laughs> and we, we got to play escape rooms based on Ready Player One because they were launching that last year. And they did the entire downtown from The Good Place as an installation oh, wow. as well. That's and, there was like a Rick and Morty land a couple of years ago where you got to play games based on Rick and Morty. And I mean, and then there's the swag and things yeah. like that. So, but those are things you can't do online. Right. Because what's even more cool about these is not just this amazing installation of stuff, but the, the people that are drawn to the Ready Player One or the Rick and Morty or the e-boat or whatever are people that are fans of that too. Yeah. So now... Yeah you know that the people that are playing mini golf Rick and Morty with you are also Rick and Morty fans. Right, right. Yeah, and now you find your tribe. (laughs) Your tribe expands when you go to these things for sure. And for some people, this is the first time ever that they will have met somebody else that loves the same things that they do. And that's that's awesome. Oh, man. Like, why for... I'm not gonna lie. I was a little late for Comic Con. Like I was, I went in when I was 15, and I loved it ever since then because I got to meet one of my anime favorite anime characters from Dragon Ball, Vegeta. And yeah, like that's about like ever since then I've been going every chance I get. And my main goal is San Diego. Yeah. So much about. I mean, I think for anybody who's ever been to one, you know, you have to think, all right, I got to go to San Diego at least once before I die. Dragon Con in Atlanta is another big one that is known like across the world because it's that one's so much bigger, though. Dragon Con is almost it's like the the cosplay is as much a draw as the celebrities and the panels as uh, as everything else. And it's interesting because it's spread across five major hotels in downtown Atlanta. It's even it's attracted so many more people that even those hotels can't hold everybody. So that's kind of an entire city being taken over by the geek community, which is pretty cool. And that's another one that could be a little intimidating. And now, you know, it's funny just to kind of take the aside to mention the pandemic when people who have experience with cons may know of something called con crud, quote unquote, con crud or well, con flu. There you go. Con flu. I would say it's probably got a different name on the West Coast, but this was the <laughs> you're in such close proximity to so many people who are piling into a hotel room because they all split the costs. Hygiene <laughs> by the end of the convention is usually probably not at its optimal levels and you are probably going to be calling out of work at least once in the next week or so because (laughs) you've you've caught something so i'm pretty sure that's one of the big ones that is going to be rethought quite a bit as a result of this pandemic because i feel like anyone who's had the con flu knows exactly the fear of something like covid they're like whoa yeah that can come out of nowhere you think you made it away fine and three days after the convention you're like man i'm starting to starting to feel like I'm fighting something. And the day after that, you're like, I can't get out of bed. I don't know what's going on. And it's like a mutated flu that 12 other people had before they gave it to you. Like, I also heard that they're DC them their own Comic-Con called DC Fandom. So it's going to be all about DC. So, And That's where's cool. that? Oh, it's going to be online. Oh, like, okay. So this is a virtual convention? Yes. See, I don't know. I mean, how do you? How would you even structure a virtual convention to compete with the? I mean, when you have nothing as your option, your your alternate option, I guess it's kind of easy to say, "Hey, look, it's this or nothing." But it's like, how are yeah, you even presenting I mean, it? You know. 
But one of the, the most popular parts of these conventions is the exhibitor booths where you get to go up and and bring your book or your picture or whatever to be signed by the stars of Babylon 5 or whatever. What are these guys going to do? Do their little merch shops so that you can buy something that's been pre-signed to be right. mailed to you for $5? You could have but, already done that on eBay, but at least what? Are we going to get a video clip so that I know that he signed that particular one that I got? You know, there's... Yeah, or pay for a cameo so that they can like say your name on a video that you can have forever. Yeah. Like it's it's same. I know one thing. I always wanted to meet one of my celebrities, Chuck Norris. He was at a Comic Con I went to once and I was gonna ask him to do a cameo for me and his prices on his stuff, like it was outrageous, like a hundred dollars or so for like a just a little photo. Like Yeah, man. It is Chuck Norris. <laughs> There's be prepared for the sticker shock. <laughs> it's like buying a car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the bigger the star, the more you're gonna have to pay. And it's funny though, everybody has at least come up with some kind of small figure they'll take to take a selfie with you on your phone, which to me, I feel like is probably the most, again, going to be affected by COVID. They'll probably have to stop doing that. But I preferred to do those because then it was like, okay, I got my arm around this guy. I took it on my phone. It's getting, first of all, the day it happens, it's going to social media instantly. But then I'm going to come back and at some point I'm going to be doing a year in review kind of thing for my podcast and be like, all right, I've got all these photos of all the people that I took selfies with this year. And you do a little slideshow and it's like, all right, some of them might be D and C lists. Some of them might be people who haven't worked in a while. And some of them might be people that I just loved because they were that side character on this show that only had one season, but I was really in love with it. The idea is there was a point in my life when I was a kid where that TV screen was this magical barrier between me and the world happening on the other side of it. And I was never going to be in the same room as the people playing those characters or seeing any of the people who built the place or seeing any of the sets set up so that I could take pictures in them so there's that element too where it's like it's just cool to just chill with these guys and it's just cool to have that we're all people moment but then they have really awesome stories about stuff they as people did so that's definitely something that i have cherished about all my con experiences that i almost feel like it's kind of laughable that they're doing oh it's a virtual commitment yeah whatever (laughs) this isn't gonna happen at that you know what i'm describing is not gonna happen at a virtual convention I mean, it's better than nothing, so, I mean... At the same time, though, the Snyder Cut isn't that sort of happening because he had, like, a, a like a, a huge Zoom call with a couple fans, and they were like, hey, I think you should release your version that we haven't seen. So there are some things that this new era can make happen, you know? Well, the people have been pounding the release the Snyder Cut uh, drum for a while, long before COVID. Right. I mean, even <laughs> even the the actors were like, we filmed a lot more. Yeah. That wasn't used. So. And it would have made it a better movie. <laughs> it would have been cooler. Are there other director's cuts you guys have seen that you could think of that when you saw the director's cut, you're like, oh wow, you know, I really Highlander. loved. Which one? Highlander. Highlander oh yeah. Too. It's a much different movie. <laughs> They're not aliens anymore. <laughs> Thank it's amazing. God. Thank God. That was one of those, how is this happening? <laughs> and then the third movie's like, yeah, forget the second movie because uh, we're going back to the way the first movie was. <laughs> Donner Cut of Superman Donner too. Cut, yeah. Yes. Donner Cut's awesome. There are other ones that are sort of low radar ones, like Gone in 60 Seconds. 
not a phenomenal film, but there's a director's cut out there that actually makes it like, wow, you know, these characters have a couple more minutes of depth now. I kind of feel a little bit better about this. There, and there was a, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt did it. Oh, no, no, it was Topher Grace. Topher Grace edited the first three movies of Star Wars, or like the prequels together. And it came out to be something like 90 minutes. He just took all three of them and made oh, a, compressed. a super cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, rid of basically our took out all of the crap. Uh, Star Wars Turn to the Dark or something like that is what it's called. But it's like a super cut edit where it's just the plot. That's pretty <laughs> and awesome. It, and it works as a movie. So like you don't end up with the really long and boring love scenes that are I mean, so it shows that they are together and right. getting together, but there's no long gazing, terrible floating a uh, parallel. And... Jake Lloyd is entirely cut out. <laughs> Too um, bad for him. <laughs> yeah, there's like we didn't... very little Jar Jar, if any, if any. But uh, yeah, so it's it's a really good supercut. So that that is like the best. I mean, it's a a director yeah. that cut it. <laughs> I'll take it. That works. But yeah, the, my two favorites are the Donner cut of Superman 2 and the the director's cut of Highlander 2 because yeah. that made those movies infinitely more watchable. I actually really like the director's cut of Alien and the special edition yeah. of Aliens that both had additional footage. Usually when there's additional footage, I'm like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> Anything that wasn't there before, then I'm like, oh, see? See, I knew there was more going on. Now I'm starting to look for scenes where I'm like, oh, I could tell that was going to be longer. That was going to be longer. He was about to say something there, and they cut. I'm like, I want to see a director's cut of this, and that's just like random movies. But uh, yeah, Alien, I really enjoyed the director's cut, and I loved Aliens. I thought that was just like... Anything to make that movie longer. <laughs> it was just too much fun. I think the TV cut of Dune. I mean, it's oh, not a director's yeah. cut. I know the, what you're the, talking about, though. Yeah, the TV cut. Has a few uh, extra or Sorry, scenes. the international television <laughs> is better. Because there's like 30 different versions of Dune. Yeah. But the one, the one that they released on international TV is the the best version of it. Yeah. Um, but there, there's no good version of Lynch's Dune, unfortunately. I enjoy so we just it. Pick a new one and see how much they've fucked it up this time first. But my one of mine was what Dave said with the Alien cut. I loved Alien since I was a kid, but Alien Predators didn't they have a thin cut by the way? Alien vs Predators. That was a different movie. I don't even count those as canon. Those were so... <sighs> I don't know why they did those. But I don't know if they actually do count in the canon anywhere. <laughs> I think I kind of see Alien as six movies. The Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Resurrection, uh, Prometheus, and Covenant, and then whatever they come out with next. Speaking of canon, how do y'all feel about the X-Men coming into the MCU? Do you think that the X-Men movies before are going to be anywhere canon to them? Well, it's weird if they're going to be bringing Fassbender in to play Magneto, but then they're going to say all of his other Magneto performances don't count. How is he going to be playing Magneto and not be referring to some of the tones and the way and the sort of speech cadences and things he's already established? You know what I mean? To me, anyway. And if he's not, why get him? Why not get somebody new to play Magneto? Right. Well, I think that was why with the last movie they, they made sure that they merged the, the two versions together. Right. What, um, you mean uh, in Days of Futures Past or yeah, in, because what about Dark Phoenix? Does Dark Phoenix yeah. merge everything together at the end? What does Dark Phoenix do mm -hmm. again? Because there's they, Apocalypse is after Days of Futures Past, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
and then after Apocalypse is Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I mean, they were trying to get as many of the original characters together mm. to like, Hugh Jackman, and so he was l- lacing through all of it. But they definitely like linked all of the existing X Men movies right. together. And now, now that they're rolling in, I think that they're basically saying, okay, now we've rolled back in time to the Days of Future Past timeline gotcha. and that one. So it's still all together. Yeah. He, he's going to grow up to be <laughs> Ian McClellan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and McAvoy will still walk around when they need a young version. But And actually, once you have a character with a time stone or who has, you know, once Doctor Strange is out there, you could... They can retcon anything. They could reverse engineer anything to make it work. Uh, well, except like they already said that if you're dead, you stay dead. Like if yeah. you if you died, died, you stay dead. So they're not going to bring back Logan or nothing like that. Uh, yeah, they're not going to bring back uh, Wolverine. They're not going to bring back. Well, no, Logan dies in the future. He hasn't died yet. Yeah, Logan takes place down the road when the like, like way twenty forty something. Yeah, after yeah. the mutants have all died off, right? And yeah, uh, that Hulk thing happening, which would have to happen on the yeah. way to Logan as well, which I'm like not thrilled with either. But... Yeah, there's somebody had done a, like a great graph of like where everything is plotted on the timelines and stuff, and so Logan hasn't happened yet. We gotta wait to just catch up with that. That's something nice yeah. on the horizon waiting but, for us. But Mystique is dead. So she's dead dead. Oh, yeah. Well, if you see her in Dark Phoenix... Oh, that's right, yeah. She throws her across the yard, and she gets stabbed, and she gets impaled. <laughs> she does that whole <laughs> evil gene well, I didn't, well, I didn't really... I liked her performance and everything in Mystique, but at the same time, I don't know. Like She said that I don't like playing Mystique because of the makeup, how long it takes. I'm like, do I wouldn't use... She's also oh basically walking around naked in blue body paint. You know what I mean? There's a certain okay, level yeah. of like, okay, come on, guys. It's 2000 teens. We can move past this. <laughs> we didn't do this before. It's amazing that they didn't go the route. Like, you know, this to go back to cosplay for a second, there are people who can create perfect replicas of the cartoon version of Mystique and walk around in public, and people are like, whoa, you look like Mystique. Why did they first live action film be like, yeah, she's just gonna be walking around naked with some weird prosthetics glued to her here and there, and she's gonna, you know, inexplicably have these weird powers where she could slide across the floor and she's a contortionist. And I was just like, they're really doing a movie world version of this character. God knows what's gonna happen. I don't even know if she's gonna shape. Oh, she's shape shifting now. Okay, so for all of a sudden, the first to get down to. This When First Class came out, it was sort of like, okay, all bets are off. They could do classic stuff. They're proving that now. But they still kept her as naked blue chick. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I feel at some point somebody was going to put their foot down and be like, okay, so why am I naked blue chick? Why is she not wearing <laughs> a white dress with the, you know, belt? You know, why do I not have yellow eyes and long red hair? Why don't like we go for the look from the cartoons that everybody loved? But um, at least she got to wear her special... X-Men jumpsuit a lot of <laughs> The leather, yeah. The, the, the classic X-Men looking one from First yeah. Class. Yeah, that was cool. First Class yeah. was a really awesome movie. I remember the first time watching that being like, oh, wow, so the X-Men movies are going to be like this from now on? Okay, yep. that's awesome. And then they did Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I just can't wait. They made a perfect fan trailer for the X-Men going against the Avengers. Yeah, that's my dream. Like to see You that should post that in the show notes with this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man 
Well, let's see. We'll get back with all of our notes and everything next week. And we'll get back up again with Geeking Out Loud. Everyone, I forgot to introduce Heather. <laughs> this is Heather. She'll be on one of our calls from now on. And, yeah, Justin, he had uh, some technical issues, so he couldn't be with us today. But other than that, great show. And till next time, Geeks and Nerds, peace up, geek out. This has been the Geekin' Out Loud podcast. Like and subscribe to hear our next episodes about the latest news in movies, comics, and all things geeks.